We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to another episode of Outside the Trenches. I'm BJ Kissel with Nick Leckie and Tucker Franklin here on KC Sports Network, presented by our good friends at Jack Stack Barbecue. Doesn't matter if you're in Kansas City or around the country, jackstackbbq.com. They do ship around the country and they can take care of you. Not much better. It goes together than barbecue and football. What's up, guys? Nick. I know that you traveled a little bit this week, and Tucker, you've been traveling as well going up north as Camp TikTok has become a thing. But Nick, I want to start with you. Uh, how's the last uh, few days been for you? It's been good. Uh, I was in St. Louis for, for work and hit up my, uh, my favorite sandwich spot in St. Louis, uh, and that was a good time. And other than that, just been watching uh, a bunch of camp Twitter and I've really enjoyed that. So I feel like I've got little glimpses. I can aggregate everyone's thoughts on there. You appreciate like a good play happening. And then you get like 87 beat writers and then 187 fans that are giving you every angle of same said play. And then like the three people who get the player wrong and you know who those people are because the rest of the timeline and gets the player right. Like 87 people say, like Alex Okafor was a good play, and then like two people are like Josh Kando with a good play. I was like, no, 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 it wasn't. I'm not even there, and I know, yeah, so, just, one of just those, no, yeah, yeah, one of those guys who has been up there and been doing some great work, uh, for the first time. Our 14 year old correspondent from training <laughs> camp, Camp TikTok, Tucker Franklin. Tucker, how's it going, man? How much fun have you been having up at training camp? It's a really good time. Uh, when we went up there on Saturday, it was it was a busy day, rainy day. Fortunately, had a little bit better better weather since I've been up there. Monday was a beautiful day. Um, Tuesday was a little bit hotter, but not very many people out there in the middle of the week. Chiefs got the pads on now, so the pads are popping. I believe uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was uh, Tershawn Horton said the pads were talking. Um, I didn't know if that was the phrase, but the pads were. Uh, Pads, pads were talking, so I tried to listen as best I could up there. Um, but no, it's been it's been pretty pretty fun. I've enjoyed getting the up close and personal view to these Chiefs teams and kind of seeing what they're what they're working on. Yeah, I can say that it's been fun watching your coverage and knowing how much fun you're having. Not just watching everybody, but particularly Tommy Townsend. Yeah. Um, you've become an aficionado of not just Tommy Townsend the player, but of hang time in general. 
uh, making sure that you've got that niche covered. And for the people that <laughs> it's true, it's true, Nick. And it's for the people, it's, it's funny because yeah. it's true. And if for anyone who is listening, who didn't see on social media that Tucker put out a poll that said, should I get a Tommy Townsend Jersey? And somehow Casey sports network got wrangled into paying for it. So Tucker, you got enough yes votes on the Tommy, Tommy Townsend that uh, we're going to order you a Tommy Townsend jersey if you can go out when we go out to a football field here soon, one of these weekends. Nick, you're more than welcome to come. This is going to be fun. We're going to get a lot of people who come. But Tucker has to punt a football at least 35 yards in order to earn the Tommy Townsend jersey that he so badly wants. In Nick, do you think he's – yeah, in That's the air. A great question. Yes. Okay. In the air. Okay. So I'm not um, counting bouncing. I don't know. Tucker, what's your what's your football background? Is it from the line of scrimmage 35 or 35 from where you make contact? <laughs> oh. Oh. oh man. That's there's, 50. There's that's a 50 bomb. I know, I can't yards, put I can't do I can't do it 50 from the line of scrimmage. No. You know what? We're um, gonna go. We're gonna go figure it out anyway. We'll figure yeah. it out. It's from wherever you wherever you punt it. Tucker, from. don't worry. We're videotape it, so it won't be a big deal. Are you gonna warm oh, up, Tucker? To. I have to. There's no way. There's no way I can't not warm up. Luckily, I've got a lot of punter friends out there too, that will that will give me the right tips and t- tools of the trade. I've got a lot of punter friends who send me videos of people punting. Um, really? So I've I've turned yeah I've turned into quite the punter aficionado here recently. So catch me out. I'm gonna become Pat McAfee. I guess is what my oh. next calling is. Yeah, oh, I, I respect for that. the brand. That. Yeah. yeah, for the for the brand. I I love that you're developing this little brand, this little niche there. Can't TikTok. Well, <laughs> before we get into anyone who's been listening to the last few shows, you've known that we've changed up the concept and just kind of the outlines of how this show is formatted. Uh, here on KC Sports Network, as we've added a lot of shows, and there's a lot of Chiefs coverage now. Uh, and again, KC Sports Network in general right now, there are four shows uh, that are being recorded. And here in about six weeks, Tucker, I know you're going to give you some anxiety talking about this. We'll have eight shows per week here yeah. in about six weeks. So we, we will be rocking and rolling. But the new format for this show is we all bring a segment uh, to it. We don't know what the segment's being brought by the other hosts are. We just kind of do a deep dive and talk about it. Before we get into each other's segments, uh, we did put out on social media if anyone had anything they wanted us discussing. And we're going to go through very quickly um, some of these uh, questions, and then we'll spend a little bit more time on other things uh one nick i know you were excited about uh favorite track and field events to watch assuming olympics you seemed excited about this one so what is your favorite track and field event to watch man as a big guy and someone who threw only my seventh grade year just jack legging around like it was funny our seventh grade year first time doing track and field and our coach came out first day with like the sack of discuses and shot put and dumped it out and like went had cigarettes in his car. <laughs> Good job, coach. And we were just we were just throwing them right, and, and and we were just just throwing them all over the place. I think I threw my shoulder out, and and this one girl, uh, she she threw one, and it almost it almost clipped my my buddy, like it almost just decapitated him. And we're like, we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> but I have a lot of respect for for the big guys and. Uh, just anybody can throw a discus or throw a shot, but like that is just absolutely amazing because you go try and pick up a 16 pound weight and hurl it as far as you can, see how far you get. 
for sure. Tuck, you got one? I really enjoy the hammer throw. I just think that one's so mm. wild. It's a big, huge ball on a rope, and you just see how far you can fling it. Um, the throwing events are all very interesting to me. I think the most like the, the the crazy athletic ones are like the long jump and the triple jump, just to see how far those guys just propel themselves. I went to the Olympic training facility up in uh, Colorado Springs, and they have on the floor like the world record uh, long jump, like what it is. And it's just crazy to see that. And you're just like, put it in perspective. Cause you see all these times and, and these links go up on the screen. You're, they don't mean anything to you when you're just seeing them like that, but then like actually seeing it on the floor, you're just like, wow, like these dudes are different. Yeah. yeah. I it's, it's sometimes it's hard and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but the, uh, like the sprinters, like it's so relative because they're running next yeah. to world class. Do you, I need like a regular Joe Schmo out there <laughs> running. Just <laughs> give me one normal person. Just to be like, Oh, it's like the NBA. Like when you watch the NBA, that's why they say like you go to an NBA game and you sit kind of like kind of close to the floor. It gives you a different perspective of how big and athletic everybody is. Because you watch it on TV is just relative to how big and fast everyone else is. So that's how I feel with the sprinters. I like watching the 400s though, but I want to go back, not the Olympics. I want to, my favorite like track and field events, go to like a middle school track and field event and go watch the 400 because no one knows yes. how to pace themselves. <laughs> and so you get the kid who just goes out and sprints from the very beginning and gets up by like 150 meters. And then they're like, crawling to the end because they did not plan it uh it was one of my favorite things to do in high school is to watch the 400 and the kids that just didn't know how to pace themselves so make me a terrible person nick no no but i would say shout out to the 400 hurdles that's the that's the event of events if you're a track connoisseur you know them 400 hurdles are brutal that those people are built differently as tyron matthew would say like that's yeah. a different level of uh, mental strength. But anyway, all right. That's one question that we've got from social media. Uh, our friend, good friend of the show, Aaron Borgman, compare and contrast late night Taco Bell runs in St. Joe versus KC. Uh, didn't do a lot of late night Taco Bell runs, Aaron. You should know this because the snacks at the cafeteria at training camp um, were pretty good. And it was always open for about an hour and a half. Uh, also a friend of the show, Cammie Darnell. Uh, asking BJ favorite after hours camp memory, um, probably going to get snacks, hanging out with Matt McMullen, watching uh, Marvel movies it was always a lot of fun. I enjoy camp. Uh, the importance of camp tick tuck coverage from our guy Zach. I want to ask you again, Tuck, because it's been a big thing. Nick, what, Nick, what go is ahead. That? What is? I don't. I'm, I'm out of the loop on this. Explain he has been that. killing it at training camp with videos and just analysis. He's having a good time. It's it's like every report. Don't, this is not a slight. It's like every reporter's first camp where they go and like start covering it a whole lot. Like you get excited and you're like, oh, this is cool. I think that's where Tuck's at. He's in that like honeymoon yeah. phase of covering training camp. He's not jaded yet and drinking whiskey and under the bleachers somewhere <laughs> catching camels. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it is still the honeymoon phase. But the uh, the TikTok comes from I posted one TikTok. I still only have one TikTok on my TikTok account, and it was making fun of the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers and Juju Smith-Schuster with the little dance they used, they would do. I believe my caption was, this is my application to be a Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver with the little dance. Um, good joke. Very strong joke. Um, so I'm, I'm proud that that's my only TikTok. But ever since then, everyone's known me as, as a TikToker. I've been the TikToker on Twitter. And uh, then Craig just shortened it. Or no, it was Kent uh, Swanson shortened it down to TikTok. 
um, just to kind of make it a little bit easier. And now that I've been at camp, they've combined TikTok and camp with camp TikTok. It's actually a hashtag now. Uh, the guys were on their film room earlier, subscriber only film room. So make sure to go to kcsn.substack.com slash subscribe to go subscribe so you get access to those film rooms that those guys are doing every week. They were talking about Camp TikTok and make sure you're using the hashtag Camp TikTok. But that's what I've been doing, uh, going out there, filming some one-on-ones. I, somebody tweeted at me today because I wasn't I wasn't at camp. I took a day off. And, and someone said, if, if there's a one-on-one and Tucker isn't there to film it, did it even happen? Uh, so uh, we're not sure. Uh, st- still undecided. But, yes, I will be there for – uh, Thursday and Friday and uh, Sunday and Monday are the tickets I have so far. So, yeah. That's awesome. Wow. This guy yes. is getting after it. I want to know yeah. how you feel after that on that last day, that last oh. day of, uh, are you still feeling the, the, are you still in the honeymoon phase is, is what I'm going to want to know. I'm going to want to know how many times the Chiefs changed the location of their team session so I don't get clips from there. Um, I've been there twice and they've changed, you know, the fields because like one time they do the, the session. They go back and field. forth so they don't tear yeah. up the same field two days in a row doing 11 well, and 11. Well, BJ, it makes me feel better about myself thinking that they're moving it because of me. So let me just keep thinking that way. Um, then <laughs> For anyone who ever know. goes... For anybody who ever goes to camp, if you want to know where they're going to do 11 on 11 or like what coach would say, like the most important team stuff, uh, look and see where the tall cameras are set up. The tall poles and the little like fancy cameras they have now, those will be set up on the field that they are doing 11 on 11. Normally on the weekends, uh, particularly Saturdays, they will do it on the field that is closest to the bleachers because they want to give fans that closest action. So normally on like a Monday, like you would be then on the other field, just so they don't tear it up because those are some big boys tearing up those fields, getting out there. But uh, let's move into the next part of this show, Nick, and let's start with you and uh, whatever segment you've got for us um, for this week's show. What do you got? What do you want us to kind of dive into here on Outside the Trenches? So this will be a, a multi-layered Roddy Dangerfield back to school question with like uh, one question, 47 subsets, like his final exam. Tucker, you need to go see that movie. It's a really good movie. Okay. Um, okay. I'm not even going to ask you to see it because I, I have it. I know. I didn't ask about it. The Triple Lundy. What was it? Yeah, was back that? to school. Yeah. Triple I got Lundy, it. Triple Lundy. Yep. Exactly. Triple Lindy Lundy. Something. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ah, really nailed good. it. It's a really good one. I'm proud of myself. And, okay. So who who are, and, and this is, who are like the top, top five coaches right now, like consistently over the past five years, right? Mike Tomlin, Harbaugh. Andy Reid, um, Belichick, Belichick, Belichick. Uh, can you, you consider Arians? I mean, that was kind of a not. I mean, he's a good manager, good coach, decent. What yeah. What do they have in common to you? Are they Are they fire breathing coaches, or are they just chill human beings? I'll go first. I. Because I don't think there's one right way to do it. I think the th- one common thing that all successful coaches have, and it's hard with Belichick because he was tied to Tom Brady for so long. But when you look at a guy like Andy Reid or even now like 
you know, Sean McVay, some of these younger coaches, their ability to adapt their offense to the talent that they have at quarterback. So when you see coaches that have had multiple success over multiple styles of offense or defense, if that's what they're running, that they can kind of tweak what they do, uh, not in huge ways, because you kind of you do what you do. But I think the coaches that can adapt, you know, their offenses and, and, and what their focuses are to their skill sets of the players they have um, end up being the best. Andy Reid has always been, you know, one of the best at that at getting the most out of his guys, getting those guys in position. So um, that'd be my kind of middle of the road answer. Okay, sure, that makes sense. So, so BJ, so what you're saying is that they got to adapt to their the skill sets of their players, and then make those adjustments in game to to win. So have that that plan B, plan C. Yeah, I think you your ability to communicate with your players. I mean, it's kind of like as layered as your question is going to be as layered as my answer is, Nick. Um, because you also have to have the ability to sit down with your players and trust that at that level. And this is me guessing. You know what I mean? I, I'm not going to pretend to have been in that room like you have in talking with these guys, but I know that you know in high school you look up to your coaches. They are the experts. They tell you what to do, and you execute that. Probably very similar in college. Whereas the NFL, like you think top, Bruce Arians is telling Tom Brady like what to do, like the ability to communicate with your players and know how to reach those different players. We're seeing it in Green Bay, like. For as good as Aaron Rodgers is, and I've never talked to Aaron Rodgers in my life, but seen enough reports on him to know that he's been described as like a different kind of guy and like not the same personality that you would see from a Patrick Mahomes or somebody else. Not good, bad. It's not a slight. But when you have different types of personalities as head coach, you got to be able to, to talk and reach those guys, whether it's breaking down a scheme or whether it's, you know, telling them you can't, you know, have family in the locker room or like whatever – things that coaches have to deal with that doesn't have anything to do uh, with what's actually happening out on the field winning football games. Okay. I, I like that. I like that a lot. And then Tucker, now that BJ's answered all of the questions and left you mm -hmm. nothing but scraps uh, to break this down. You asked me a sub question, <laughs> I'm just, Nick. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Tucker. Well, I think, I think on the surface, when you, when you name all those guys off, like Mike Tomlin, for sure. Andy Reed, uh, Bill Belichick to some point, those guys all seem like players coaches. It seems like guys who, you know, are, are there for their players, pulling for the players. I think Mike Tomlin deserves a lot more credit than he gets usually because he had to deal with the whole fiasco of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. And I think there was even one more player all thrown into that mix and they were still a playoff contending team. Um, so it's, it's amazing how Mike Tomlin did all that, but I do think that, that the ability to adapt is very important too. Andy Reid talks about all the time, how he's not, he's always changing. He's always trying to stay one step ahead because defenses are always changing too. I think that's a really good example. And for the chargers, I can't remember who they just hired. Brandon Staley, I think is his name as mm -hmm. their head coach. He's a very offensive minded defensive head coach. If that even makes sense at all but he's very he knows that the game is pass first so he knows his defenses need to be pass first and he's he's been working in these sets to throw these throw these offenses off and and i think that the 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 offenses have to be a step ahead of the defenses the defenses are always trying to get a step ahead of the offenses so you just can't be stuck in your ways and i think that that's kind of where 
coaches devolve at that point was it well i've always done it this way so and if and if coaches didn't evolve we would still see the split back veer run in the nfl um so now we're seeing a lot more spread and everything like that but i think that's really crucial with with coaches is their ability to admit almost their downfalls and admit where their weaknesses are and bringing guys in around them to say hey you know we could do better passing the ball we could do better you know up front in the trenches and and their ability to adjust to those things and, and calling plays to and those strengths and stuff like that I like that. And, and I heard what you said. You said that you player coaches, which I, I agree with you. You got to have player coaches and you yeah. got to have guys who, 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 hey, it's an open book and open forum, uh, adapt, change and evolve. I, I think that's the name of the game and guys who are stuck in their ways, then you lose players, you know, you lose games and, and then no one wants to play for you, which is kind of like the giants right now. Yeah. Right. I was just going to bring that up. Nick, did you ever play for a coach who made the entire team run laps? If you guys screwed something up. And that way back uh, when you played, like when guys had cowboy collars and stuff. N- no, <laughs> I, I never, we never got punished like that. Uh, in college, we got punished by Coach Snyder for someone left trays out at the uh, at the cafeteria and we all had to run extra gassers because- Who was it? Who left it out? I don't even remember, but we ran yeah. and it doesn't matter, but we beat him <laughs> with soap later. No, we didn't. <laughs> We did not. We did not, by the way. We did not. Statue of limitations, I'm sure. It has. <laughs> it has. It has. But no, no one did that. But no, it's, yeah, you, you can't you can't do that in NFL. Uh, you really can't. I mean, that's why they, you know, I was watching that that clip on Pat McAfee show that the, they showed that two guys retired that signed Saturday and they yeah. just retired. They go, I don't want any of this junk nonsense, which is indicative. And it made me appreciate Andy Reid and his personality. And I just kind of got to thinking about what makes the, the elite coaches elite. And it's everything you guys just said, you know, it's, yeah. it's adaptability, uh, communication, uh, you know, being a player's coach is, is a part of that, but also being the father figure too, to say, Hey, you need, you need to be uh, disciplined as well as, as yeah. a part of that, but a little mm-hmm. bit. I think if you're trying to change the culture, and if that's what Joe Judge is doing, just to kind of give that shock to the system. If, if, if you're using it as a shock to the system to wake people up, yes. And in the short term, if you have immediate success, you can at least feel like you can make that attribution like this was part of it. But the second anything goes wrong, if you were doing things that are different than everybody else, it's going to be like, well, that's the reason why. Like you're going to lose that locker room. You're going to lose grown men who are being told they have to go run. And they're like, I ain't going to run. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Not how this works. So, all right, Nick, is that all the subset of questions that you have, Nick? Or yeah, that, that really more? was. I, I hyped it okay. up. There was forty-seven, but now we're going to keep this one uh, trim. Fair enough, Tuck. What do you got for us tonight to dive into? So I think BJ, when when we were at lunch on Saturday after training camp, you kind of brought this topic up, and I've been kind of mulling it over, thinking about it as I go back and forth between St. Joe, and it's just Travis Kelsey. Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, and really even Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark and Chris Jones to an extent all do pretty incredible things on a football field. And I think that it's sometimes very easy to see those incredible things and expect those things to be normal. So my question is kind of how do we not get complacent as Chiefs fans with looking at the things that Patrick Mahomes is doing, like back back foot fadeaway throws to Marcus Kemp in the back of the end zone, stuff like that, that we're seeing quarterbacks struggle in other camps around the league just throwing out routes. So how, how do we how do we try to not get complacent with that with it with those guys? 
I have no idea. I don't think that there's a, I don't think that's even possible, Tucker, yeah. for the same reason that Nick and I have been saying, hey, Chiefs fans, don't become Patriots fans or Bucks fans or whatever they're going to be now. If people are just so used to success and so used to greatness that you normalize it and it's and almost like it becomes prideful. Not to go to Giannis's yeah. quote, which is just amazing quote, but you start to take pride in what you think is going to come in the future and the ego of the past, even though none of us are out there on the field playing. It doesn't have anything to do with us. Um, but, yeah, I I don't know if uh, if that's possible. Nick, what do you think? Uh, it's easy. Just watch other quarterbacks play and be like, thank yeah. God that's not our quarterback. I mean, it's really simple. Like It's it's so easy just when you watch nothing but Chiefs football and you see the stuff that, that they're connecting on. And then you look at like look at like the top top five quarterbacks, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees when he was around, and and all those guys. And you look up and you see when they look up and they got time, and they can they look back like they're about to like pull that bow that bowstring back. You know you can already tell it's going to be six. You just know. So watch the good quarterbacks and watch the crappy quarterbacks. Watch the mediocre quarterbacks. Just watch the games. And you watch other games, and it gives you appreciation for for Patrick's arm strength. It gives you appreciation for for what Kelsey can do, uh, you know, and it gives you appreciation what this defense can do as a whole. I mean, people forget that in, in the in the Super Bowl versus the Buccaneers, the uh, the Chiefs defense stopped the Buccaneers on fourth and goal. <laughs> they stopped them. Yeah, like they they stopped, and that that gets forgotten. You know, that really does get forget. It gets lost up and all the other stuff. And, and just like I said, just watch other games. And like I said, that's what I do. I watch other games and like, it's boring. It's really yeah, boring but to watch. Tyreek Hill makes everyone else look slow. So mm-hmm. when you watch some other receiver who runs like a 4-3, and he's like, man, he's not that quick. <laughs> it's like exactly. I've seen fast and everybody else looks, looks yeah. kind of slow now. You watch college football and it's just like, oh, my God, guys, come it's on. It's terrible. <laughs> I, I Returning like watching, kicks, yeah. it's like, oh. when's the next gear? It is, but I have a tough time watching college football for that reason because it's such a sloppy sport sometimes with a lot mm-hmm. of teams, and it's it's really difficult for me to watch non non K State teams play. Yeah, but Tucker, I do I remember that conversation because it started with normalizing Tyreek Hill's speed and his ability to make contested catches. I don't think is going to get the credit it deserves because the knock for so long for Tyreek was he was too short. He's a gimmick. He's this, he's that. And we do not give him enough credit for his ability to go across the middle and make plays. I mean, the the most impressive play of his career, in my opinion, and everybody's going to talk about Wasp because of the moment, but his first game back after that shoulder injury that he suffered in that week one game against the Jaguars, that play he had against the Texans where he went up, leapt across the middle and then drug like three people to the end zone. Mm -hmm. Like that's a big time play for Deandre Hopkins, a receiver who's like six, four and big, let alone a guy that's, you know, not very, I don't say big because if you've ever been near Tyreek or you've seen the pictures of him, Calling that guy not big is kind of ridiculous, but with his um, height limitations for his ability to still go across the middle and Patrick to have the trust to just throw balls up to him. We've seen it at camp already. We saw a couple of the the clips from either Camp TikTok or from the other, you know, dozens of fans out there doing a really good job of providing different angles of plays. But uh, watching Tyreek Hill go across the middle and make some of those plays has been amazing. And then some of the other stuff that you mentioned, watching Orlando Brown, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, and Joe Thune and all these guys get after it. And then fans can argue about Chris Jones dominating. Well, does that mean Joe Thune sucks? It's always my yeah. favorite part of camp is – 
you can always see the bias in the media or if they're in a good mood or a bad mood based on are you going to say it's positive because i was chiefs.com for six years so i was just like hey somebody was always doing great <laughs> like i never yeah, i never yeah. focused on the bad like hey they were great and it's like who are they going against like i don't remember i couldn't see the number it's like a plainly marked like 20 it was like that's definitely not steven nelson like that was definitely not steven nelson getting beat um but anyway yeah that uh watching the guys at camp get after it and watching those guys get better and i even put the thing on Twitter about Tyron Matthew running over and celebrating on Legereus Sneed uh, about 30 seconds after the play was over, which means I think Tyron had to run quite a ways over there to celebrate, uh, mm-hmm. which is what you want to see in the middle of camp when guys are starting to get still kind of early, but guys can start to get sore. They're getting a little bit, of, they're getting a little tired. A lot of that energy and a lot of that kind of excitement about everything wears off over the next like six to eight days of camp. And then you get into those dog days and that's when you see the fights start happening. That's when you guys get a little tired. They start playing through the whistle. Uh, some of the stuff Trey Smith's doing, I'm sure some of the veteran defensive linemen might not appreciate it here in about eight practices. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. And I think that, that that's a good point, Nick, that you brought up is I remember, I think I tweeted out during the season last year as like, I can't watch any other football now that I I'm so used to Patrick Mahomes, like Patrick Mahomes is Mahomes has ruined football. It seems like what, every time I go to watch a football game, I was like, Oh, this guy can't throw it 50 yards down the field off of his back foot. Why am I even watching this football game? Um, and then like Tyree kill too. He's making great uh, contested catches. I believe I tweeted out one clip of him over Mike Hughes. Granted they weren't in shells or anything like that. So it's a little hard to judge uh, contested catches when they're not wearing anything like that when it's helmets only but still went up and got it Travis Kelsey made a good contested catch we obviously know Travis Kelsey can do whatever he wants it seems like in the middle of the football field because he just owns owns his space and I think that that's something that's a little uh, the Chiefs fans have had a taste of the Tony Gonzalez dominance of of being a tight end and, and also a receiver at the same time but I think that Travis Kelsey's a, a whole new beast when it comes to that because his versatility has been Amazing. And Noah Gray, too. I mean, I, I talk about Travis Kelsey, and it just leads me right into Noah Gray because Travis Kelsey is super hyped about Noah Gray. And, and it means how can you not be hyped about Noah Gray when Travis Kelsey is excited about him? It's I. Somebody asked when we put out there, you know, can you guys talk about like the 12 personnel sets and what you can do? And it's just like deja vu going back to, you know, Anthony Fasano. And we've got this young Travis Kelsey kid. Like maybe we could do some 12 tight end, like some 12 personnel and, you know, get see what kind of mismatches you can get and then what kind of conversation do you have like how do you do that how do you break that down i'm like well we've got loads of content from like six years ago breaking yeah. all this down like can you get them in a base defense are they playing nickel and then where do you find your mismatches and all that kind of stuff but yeah. um guys i'm gonna transition to the last segment here real quick and uh what i've got and we've spent the last probably three episodes talking through different parts of training camp things we we're excited to see things that uh, we wanted to see things that were important to see. And now kind of since Camp TikTok has given us some updates, uh, things that are happening up there with guys like Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey and some of the guys we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Um, but right now I want to give all of us an opportunity and not to call your shot, uh, but to kind of go on record with a take or a point you have of something you're excited to see or something that you think is kind of starting to come together uh, in some kind of way that you think will affect games by the time we get to the regular season. Cause we can talk about Noah Gray all we want. Um, and I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but at the end of the day, how many 12 personnel sets are we going to run in a regular season game? Right. And five. if we aren't running five to seven, 
and how many of those plays are going to be 11 personnel where Travis Kelsey's not on the field. So Noah Gray could be as great as he could be awesome special team or all of that. But if we're running 12 personnel on like 18 series, then that means there's a lot of other people who aren't on the field um, who I think give us a better chance to be explosive, explosive and make a lot of plays. But that's not to say that having that and having him as a young player have a role much like defensively you have a Josh Kando can have those sub package roles, those NASCAR packages to get out there and do something. But uh, anyway, who are the guys you are excited? The storylines you're following Tucker, I'm going to start with you. Who is, what's the storyline you're kind of following and what do you want to go on record right now saying, this is how I feel. This is what I think is coming. I think Devin Key has been one of those stories that is uh, another guy that Brett Veach has found in the undrafted free agent market that looks like is going to pan out. Um, Tershawn Horton, a guy last year they found in the UDFA market who is <laughs> seemingly a success story. If you got if you're getting rotational snaps as a UDFA in your first year, I think I think that's a success. And Devin Key might be in the same boat. He's been running with the ones, been doing situational stuff. And I, when I was out there on uh, Tuesday, the first day of full pads, he was with the ones. Charvarius Ward was out. Um, Juan Thornhill has been also out with, with a groin injury. But it's interesting they went to Devin Key as the next guy up there because they've got other guys there that can that can run with the safeties. DiCaprio Boodle, another UDFA guy, is a guy who's been really mirroring Tyron Matthew and and that third safety role as well. When Juan Thornhill was in there, kind of mirroring him in the back, getting some work in with uh, Dave Merritt, I believe it's a defensive backs coach. So he was been really on their hip. But I've been really impressed with Devin Key, and that was pointed out to me by by uh, Kent Swanson. Said, "Hey, Devin Key's out there, and that's that's not nothing." I know Andy Reid. Uh, they've said Andy Reid likes to keep the rotations pretty much the same all the way through camp, but. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out. There's a there's a preseason game in nine days by the time you're listening to this game. Saturday the 14th is the first preseason game. I'll be curious to see how much Devin Key plays then. It is one thing that they'll always say, we're going to rotate guys in. We're going to do a lot of different things, give a lot, a lot of different guys reps, and they'll give Devin Key reps to see mentally. It's not about whether he can go make the play. It's can they call a certain coverage, get a certain look. And remember, the offense, like the offensive coaches and the defensive coaches are setting up the plays to go against each other to yeah. look for something specific when they go watch film later is so-and-so learning. Are they retaining the information that we're giving them earlier in the day when they do the walkthroughs and then they go out there and execute? And then can they throw those little wrinkles to see, can they adjust on the fly? Are they thinking, or are they just like over like paralysis by analysis, whatever it is. Um, right. But that's a really good point on those UDFAs and those different guys that have been mixing in, but it's also important in tuck. I know I told you this when we were out there and, and there's a lot of people who, who do this, but if you really want to know, who those last like 53rd guy on their roster. And you really want to get into those roster battles when they go out on special teams and Dave Tobe sends his guys figure out who's on the first team punt return, first team kickoff return, because they don't do the same thing. Coach Reed does where everybody gets a lot of reps and they mix a bunch of, they don't have enough time on special teams. So if you want to know what Dave Tobe thinks about who the fourth linebacker is and who that backup or DiCaprio Boodle or, you know, Devin key, these guys, if he's out there running with the first team special teams, then it is across the board. He is in, it's not to say he's not, if he's not in there, but it's a lot more specific and intentional with the reps with special teams. Cause you don't get a ton of them. 
So it's one thing for anybody who's listening who goes out to camp uh, who really wants to pay attention to that stuff, pay attention to that. But uh, Nick, what's one storyline? What's one group? What's one thing that you've been paying attention to that you're ready to go on record here first week in August? So I, here are my notes, my notes from the draft. <laughs> Everyone sees Creed Humphrey. There's Bolton, Noah, everyone. Our draft picks. Draft picks. And then look at look at this one. What is what is the one thing that crossed out? Trey Smith, O-line, Tennessee. And I put <clears throat> big man left guard at Tennessee. Will be opening day starter at right guard. Took some right guard snaps in the senior bowl. Big ass chip on his shoulder, blood clots and lungs. Active big man. Those are my draft notes. He's and mean. to me, it was like, just, I mean, just, just pops. I mean, just, you, you watch the film and, and everyone's surprised that, that he's starting at right guard. But if you watch his film in college, you're like, this dude's an absolute monster. Like this dude can absolutely play. And they got a first round pick. Yeah. yeah. He yeah, was a first, I mean, he should have been a first round pick. They had that kind of talent. 226. And then couple that with, Another guy who was a third round pick, Lucas Niang, who who organized what was it? What was his thing that he organized in uh, in college, like coats for homeless people in, in TCU or something like that, where he organized something where he helped his local community. And, and another guy who had hip surgery his senior year, and you know he was supposed to be a top ten pick, and he he toughed it out. He muscled through some his hip hip problems versus Texas. At home versus versus at, at TCU versus TCU, or, you know when he's at home in Fort Worth versus Texas, and he played well. He did great at right tackle, and that's his natural position. And for him to sit a year out for in COVID, you know, rest the hip a little bit, get it going. So you've got Trey Smith and Niang at right guard, right tackle, and there's your next five years on the right side. <laughs> Two guys it, who 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 battle and Creed Humphrey, yeah, and, and a center. And, and, I, mean, I, 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 I overlook Creed Humphrey all the time because he's a second round pick and he's just a natural and he's just a yeah. solid fit. But I've never seen, and I can't say this enough, I've never seen in, in my forever career an O-line get totally revamped <laughs> like this and, and and assembled, you know, Veach and Andy Reid and, and Andy Heck give, give credit because they've assembled a top five O-line. And that's and and that's what I'm I'm going on record to say. This will be a top five, top three, a line. Like it's it's just splitting hairs, but and it leads into my point because I think the forgotten man this entire offseason has been a guy that I thought was going to have a bigger impact last year, like a lot of people in the passing game in particular. But Clyde edwards Elaire. I think we could sit here and talk about Trey Smith. We could talk about the GT counter. We could talk about all the the power run game and all the different things that they're doing. And and as much as I want to buy into that and say Andy Reid, offensive line guy, he's just going to run it down your throat. People have been saying that about Andy Reid his entire career. And all the analytic people and all the people that actually dive into the numbers say that he really doesn't do that. He's not going to lean on the run game in that way. But the fact that they're going to have it now, I think means that when they get into positions where Patrick Mahomes gets to the line, of scrimmage and he reads a light box and they check to a run that he's got the horses up front now that even if they're even like he's going to call a run because Trey Smith's going to run over somebody just because Orlando Brown that's a different mindset nothing against Eric Fisher it's not about 
not not like that. So I know Chiefs fans sometimes want to take it, and people want to take it that way now. But the mindset is different. It's a different physicality up front. That's why Craig Stout, Matt Lane, Kent Swanson have been talking all offseason on the laboratory and on our Substack that Kent or that. Uh, Tucker mentioned earlier, if you haven't subscribed, you should do that because they've been breaking down what they thought they were going to see and what we have been seeing, which is a lot more of the power run game. I think that's going to translate to Clyde Edwards Lair because he wasn't just a solid running back. He was a ridiculously talented player that I feel like will be put in much better situations this year. And there's going to be a handful of games again. And there were even last year, even sometimes that will get forgotten, but there are going to be some games where we win because of Clyde Edwards Elaire and people are going to be reminded how good he is running behind that offensive line. Well put. Nailed it. That's it. That's a, that's <laughs> the only thing you guys have. Well, no, yeah, I, I think you killed it. No, well, and, and I think the thing is too, I think analytics guys, uh, Andy Reed has been able to, to put together these, these fourth quarter seven minute drives and, and it's a combination of, of run pass, but I think that that's what Andy Reid can do when when you have that that ability to uh, the, the Chiefs in December, the Chiefs in the playoffs, and I had a full healthy O line. I mean, they they grind out the clock. It's like you know they got this high powered offense, but they also have that ability to adapt and, and to say, hey, listen, you know we're we're going to run the ball now. We are going yeah. to grind you out into a fine dust. And you look at just go ahead and look at the box scores or the drive chart and say, you know, to close out the fourth quarter, 10 play drive, eight but, play drive. And, you know, that's what Andy Reid does. And not to push back, Nick, but you and I have talked about this so much of and just conceptually because we weren't breaking it down, not trying to say this is what it is. But Andy Reid's offenses, especially when you look at the center position, they're always smaller. Mitch Morse, Rodney Hudson, these are smaller guys who can get out on the angles and run and run a lot of those swing passes that you don't realize is a screen until you see Mitch Morse is 25 yards down the field blocking. Like, holy cow, that was a screen. But you you can't have it both ways where you want those offensive linemen, the Laurent Duvernay Tardif, even Zach Fulton before that, these smaller guards who can get out and run and do the screen game and the stuff down the field. And then when it's third and one, get mad because they can't push the pile because it's a different skill set. If you want a guy that can get out and run 20 yards down the field and push a guy off the ball, you're looking at an all you're looking at quit five Quentin Nelsons up front. You're looking for the greatest offensive line you can find. I think what's interesting with this group is that it is a little bit different and Laurent Duvernay Tardif as physically is as he is and as much as coach Reed loves his finishing ability, he's not finishing like we've seen from Trey Smith already. That's not the same type of player. So when it's third and one, we have a player now, and not to, to crown him that already, but we have the makings of an offensive line and a Clyde Edwards Lair with his low center of gravity, those those, th- those hamstrings and those quads, like to get that first down when it's third and one, just run it off the right side. Creed and Trey will take care of it. Clyde's not going backwards. We'll be fine. It's been a while since I felt comfortable with those short yarded situations because Nick, as you and I have talked about, what kind of offensive line are you building? Seems like they've always gone to the athletic guy who can get out and run. And now, not that these guys can't run, but they've got that physicality side that's a bigger, I guess, tool in their toolbox than the guys they've had in the past. It just made me think about this too. Is sometimes some gripes I've had with the with these Chiefs offenses is that you know they come out to these big leads and sometimes they have a hard time icing the game out, right? Holding the ball off for a little bit. So you do see these scores get a little bit closer with this new rebuilt offensive line and kind of more of a, a run blocking power focus to it. 
this will probably help them ice these games out a little bit more. I, I'd expect to see a larger margin of victory with these Chiefs teams now. Yeah, and, and I absolutely agree. And I think it's it's akin to, uh, especially during the regular season, when, when you get up on someone, you, you don't want to empty empty your gun, you yeah. know, empty the clip, as they say. You don't want to show a lot of plays, and that's why teams are able to recover. Because there's a natural, like, when you get up three or four possessions on the team, there's a natural, like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna step off the throat because we need some, we need some, some for later, and we want right. to hide some of the plays. And, and it is, it's, it, it'll be different. It'll be very different because then you can open up your run game arsenal and you can, okay, we'll show you whatever we got in the run game because, you know, we're looking, you, you win the game with passing and running, but it's majority passing now. And most mm-hmm. teams are 75% that way. And if you run the ball, great. You know, it's, it's what it comes down to is, and I think it's, it's what Andy Reid teams are good is with this O line, however you want to put it, uh, whether big, little, whatever, it's TDs in the red zone. And I think that's something with, you know, they, they struggled early on with, with some TDs in the red zone that weren't sort of like these trick plays. And now you could just be straight up and be like, okay, we're going to run, you know, zone to the right, zone left. We might pull somebody uh, in, the, in the goal line. And, and that, that's where this O-line is really going to be at its peak is, is getting running yeah. back touchdowns in the red zone. Yeah. Fantasy, fantasy asterisks right there. It reminds me of something I saw on social. Brett Coleman uh, runs a YouTube channel that most football people know who Brett Coleman is that that uh, are on YouTube. But uh, he put something out about you know Matt Canada's offense, and it reminds me of Andy Reid at different times, where kind of masking different things. The off you're doing it for a lot of different reasons, but uh, you have like five guys moving pre-snap to run inside zone. It'll be nice just to watch the Chiefs in the red zone on a first and 10 from the 11, just line up and just run like a power eye with a new fullback, just nothing, just running it right at you and not try, not trying to run a play from the 1940 Rose bowl and not doing all it. Just we're going to line up and just run right at you every once in a while, just to show you that we can. Mm-hmm. And like I said, now that we've got some, some horses that uh, know that their job is protecting the Messiah above all else. But if you need to get <laughs> one, yard, if you need to get one yard, it'll be nice for them to be able to insert the, Exert their will. Is that the way to say it? Um, But anyway, Nick, look like you had something to say before we wrap up this episode of Outside the Trenches. We'll get final thoughts. Nick, what you got? Man, um, I'm just I'm excited to to get a game in in a couple weeks and to see to see what they have to kind of see what what they're going to do with it. And like I said, especially too. I mean, every time I I see all the stuff, I'm I'm just excited. I mean, it's a fun time to be a Chiefs fan because I remember when, you know, the Chiefs weren't that good. So it's just don't take it for granted and just enjoy it day by day, one step at a time. By day, by day, by day. All right, Tucker, what do you got? There's an actual football game, actual with an asterisk. It is a preseason game. It is the Hall of Fame game on uh, tonight when you're listening to this podcast. It is on uh, Thursday night. Uh, So – there's going to be NFL football on TV. You can watch it if you choose to do so. I will be watching it because I just want to see NFL football again. I just need to inject some of it into my veins, you know, just to hold me over until we get into that, to the real good stuff. But it's some fantasy football research to do. Yeah. Yes. We, yes. Fantasy football is just around the corner. I'm so bad at it. 
All right. We appreciate everybody for listening to this episode of Outside the Trenches. We will be back next week. Again, please continue to uh, support us here on KC Sports Network. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the YouTube channel and everywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Podcaster, all those places. You can find them there. We will see you next time. Thanks again. Peace.